0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to
0: My Millennial Property. You're with John Pigeon and Emily Wallace. Hello, Emily
2: hello how are we going
0: very very well today um, and I'm excited even more so because our great sponsor of the show the, the show that cannot run without this person has uh, kindly blocked his calendar out for us we have Sean Wellman here from Wellman Finance good morning Sean
3: good morning Pidge and Emily it's uh, it's great to be great to see your faces yes even though we're in different rooms
0: now We want to talk about bridging finance today. I don't need to do the blurb on Sean because listeners are going to get the feel today that we need to ring this guy. Bridging finance is a really complicated situation for a lot of people and it rang true again for me just Monday of this week where I spoke to a lovely couple and they sat down with a broker and they've got an existing property in Sydney and they were looking at upgrading to a family home. Now there's some equity in that property that they've currently got, and they've also got some savings, um, but they're quite interested to then buy a property um, of their own in two weeks' time. Now it goes to auction in two weeks' time. They haven't got a pre-approval, they haven't got the equity out of their property, so the broker's recommending that they go and sell that property, in a market that's reasonable, so they might be able to move it on in, in three, four, five weeks' time, but also asking them to take bridging finance, which allows them to go to auction and purchase this potential property without having sold the existing property for to use the cash to buy the property. So if you're sitting there listening saying, well, that sounds very complicated and it sounds risky... We're going to get the answers today. So, Sean, what do you think about that?
3: Well, there's some risk involved with bridging loan, and there's some benefits. I guess you know you explained it well. It's a uh, bridging loans, obviously uh, it's a it's a finance. It's it's short term finance, so you've got to remember that it's only for a, a small period of time, and it's to Finance the gap, as you said before, between buying and selling because you're selling your house but you haven't got the money for that house yet because you haven't actually sold it, but you've actually already bought something and you need some uh, short term finance to effectively bridge that gap. And when you sell your property, uh, the bridging loan gets paid out and then you end up with the end loan. So effectively, you've got two loans when you're buying that property because you haven't sold your current property. and then when you sell, you pay out the bridging loan because it's short term, and you the remaining loan stays stays on your on your new home loan. Um, the the main risk I reckon with it is the fact that if you buy before you sell, um, and you know the bridging loan is only for a short period of time, so three to six months, that basically means that you're under pressure to take a certain price for the property that you're selling because the bank will say you need uh, to sell and pay out this bridging loan. So if you don't get the offer that you want, then you might have to take less knowing that you have to pay out this bridging loan. So I think that's probably the number one risk associated with it. And when you do it, you have to be really conservative around what you're going to sell your property for. So you have to work off worst-case scenarios with a bridging loan and not to say that you won't you know, get what you want for that property. The other thing is bridging loans are generally a little bit more expensive than a normal home loan so if a normal home loan at the moment might be let's just say three percent then a bridging loan is usually about one percent more Um, and you're also effectively you're paying your home loan on your existing property and you're also paying two other loans as well so from a cash flow perspective there's going to be quite a big expense for three to six months the bank in terms of serviceability The bank will allow a bridging loan. You don't have to prove serviceability and all the debt as long as you've got a nice savings buffer that will get you through that bridging period. Um, So they're they're probably the main risks associated with it um, because a lot of people buy a property based on the fact that they're going to sell their property for a a certain number. Um, And if you don't get that number... Um, and you've already bought something earlier, so the, so the market could dip or something. Then that does that can leave you exposed. So you really need to have work off worst case scenarios and have a large savings buffer to get you through that period.
2: Yeah, that makes logical sense, and I guess. If someone's buying a house before they've sold their current one, it must be a pretty good house. If they're that keen and they want to go to auction and they want to snap it up, it must be something that might not have been on their radar, but it, it popped up and they saw it and they fell in love with it and they want to upgrade or maybe downsize. So it's really interesting. You touched on there, Sean, you were saying bridging loans um, have a certain period. How long is the maximum term for a bridging loan? How long do people have to get things sorted so that they can sell their house and pay it out?
3: Uh, yeah, good. Really good question. Six months generally is the maximum term. Um, a lot of lenders will have three months, um, but some lenders will have have that six month term where they'll give you a little bit of bit of time. And again, it, it does suit some people though, because a lot of people with you know young kids and family, they want to move from their existing house into their new property, and they don't want that gap in between. So from a convenience to be able to move into one property into another. It does, have, does make a lot of sense. As long as they're in a really good financial position with a good savings buffer and they're confident that they'll sell their house for a certain figure, it can actually work really favourably if it's not a long-term sort of thing. So I always encourage, even though you could get bridging finance for six months, you may only need it for three weeks.
0: Yeah, okay, that's, that's a really good point. So if you only did it for... Uh, or, or sorry use that bridging finance for three weeks you're only calculated on the interest that you've paid on that three-week period correct
3: that's right yeah before it's paid out yeah.
0: and and do you have uh, like admin costs exit fees all those sort of things associated with normal loans or how do, how does that work
3: yeah, you do, but they're not. Then I mean, and you do have to factor them in. But they again, they'll, they'll range depending on the lender. But they'll generally charge a bridging fee on a, a one-off fee, which might be around between two hundred and fifty and five hundred dollars. Um, and they generally don't have an early payout fee because they're they're only a short-term loan anyway, so they're they're expected to be paid out um, over a really short period of time.
2: And are there specialist banks that specialise in bridging finance or would it likely be that someone who's taking out a, a new loan on their new house, they just go with the same bank that they're taking their new mortgage out on for ease or how does that part of it work?
3: Yeah. They'll ju- so you'll have to do that with a bridging loan, you have to do that, that bridging loan with the same bank that your existing home loans with. So if you're with, uh, you know, CBA, for example, you'd have to do the bridging loan and the new loan with that same bank. Um, there also are LVR limitations so what they do is they they basically look at all the all your three loans which are your existing home loan the bridging loan and the new loan on the property and that they divide that by your total properties which is the two property values and that generally has to be around 70% so you actually have to have some really good equity in your current property to do a bridging loan um, it's certainly not for not for everyone because there's um, some LVR or uh, leverage restrictions on bridging loans. Also, a lot of banks don't do bridging finance. So, for example, you might be with a bank and have your existing home loan with that bank. You can't do bridging finance. So your options are, one, not to do it, <laughs> or two, you'd actually have to refinance your existing home loan to a bank that does bridging loans. So you can do your new new loan and bridging finance with a uh, with a bank that does do bridging loans so look i'd say probably on our panel of lenders i'd say probably 40 to maybe 50 percent will do bridging loans a lot will not do them yeah a lot of the smaller lenders and things like that will not do bridging loans all the major banks will do them um and some of the some of the other banks will do them as well but uh, again don't just assume that your bank does bridging finance
0: so that that's interesting when you say that Maybe half of all lenders out there in Australia right now offer bridging loans. Why wouldn't the other half not offer them?
3: Because uh, they're probably not uh, that beneficial for business for a bank because they're very, over a very short period of time. Yep. Um, they're a fair bit of legwork as well. Um, sometimes the bank may think that uh, they can leave them a little bit exposed so they don't have an appetite for them. Um, but, but I think it's mainly... Um, I mean, generally, the bigger banks will, will service every type of loan. The, the smaller lenders, because they haven't got the infrastructure and in that, will actually specialise in certain loans and those things that they don't think will be as profitable because they're not long-term loans for the banks uh, uh, and they might see them as slightly uh, riskier because, you know, a property may stay on the market for a longer period of time. Um, so they, they just won't have an appetite to do those
2: Mm, Makes sense. Um, There's a lot of questions running through my mind about this whole process because it's not something that happens very often. And I guess when it does, it's quite high risk. We're going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to pick your brains a little further, Sean, about bridging finance, but also finance in general. We'll be back in a second.
0: Okay, so the main one I took from that was you can use, you can only use the same lender that you've already got the home loan with. Now, the interesting thing about that is that uh, cross-securitization part where for cross-securitization you basically got two loans with the same bank and one loan is dependent on the other which um, which is okay as long as your loan-to-value ratios are at a, at a safe level and your cash flow is good and, and everything's rosy. Um, but you can also fall into traps when you when you do have that. Um, so, well, he just talked to us about the, uh, I suppose, in your experience, what um, type of bridging loans you've done and uh, and the experiences that the the clients have had in comparison to that.
3: Yeah, so yeah, we usually do them. The the main clients that we do them for are generally young families with kids, and they don't. They want to be able to move from the, the house they're selling into the property they've bought, so they're happy to settle first before they've sold their property. Um, that's just for a purely a convenience factor. It's They're generally done when people are upgrading their homes, so that's the number one thing. So they're going from, like you said before, maybe a two-bedroom unit you know, to a, they need a bit more space and they're upgrading their property, so it's a more expensive property. I always do a pre-approval for bridging finance. So I just make sure that before they sign a contract to buy the new property, that they're going to be able to get the bridging finance, that as I said, the loan to value ratio, they've got enough equity in their existing property to be able to do it. So we just tick off all those things and then we know that we we can do that. We also work off I always work off worst case scenario, so they'll say, "Oh, I'm think I'm going to sell that tel- two two bedroom unit for 600 Well, we'll come back a peg or two and say, "Well, let's just assume you're going to sell it for five fifty, mm. um, just in case you don't you, they, you, they, the buyer's not meeting the market or your expectations. You still can sell it and pay out that bridging loan and not be exposed as well. Um, so there's some of the things to do it, but I will always I won't go into a bridging loan without doing a pre approval because there's actually just as, as opposed to a standard pre-approval, there's a couple of other little hurdles you have to jump over, um, and we spoke of those before. You've got to find an acceptable bank. Are they with the bank that does bridging loans? And uh, are they going to have the serviceability on the new loan? And also, are they going to have enough equity in their existing property? So they're probably the three main things that we need to tick off and make sure we've got enough comfort around before getting into putting your hand up at auction and going into unconditional contracts. You can do same-day settlements. Um, uh, so that's a way of avoiding uh, bridging loans and also being able to move in from one property to the next. So we'll always say, well, you've got, you've got the ability to do bridging finance, but it's actually better to avoid it. Let's do a simultaneous settlement. So you're actually moving out and you're moving in on the same day. So logistically, it might you know, be a pretty hectic day. Um, but it's certainly certainly doable. And, and it certainly uh, is convenient for families, particularly with young kids who can move from their existing property to a new property. They don't have to find a short term rental or stay with family. And they can also move all their furniture from one property directly into the new property as well. Don't have to put it in storage or whatever.
2: I literally just have a client doing that exact thing today. And I didn't know, but you can actually get removalists who will store, like they'll pick all your stuff up on say the Thursday and they'll store it over just overnight. You pay an overnight fee yeah. so that you're not actually leaving the morning off because you want to leave the house in a you know reasonable, tidy condition for the new owner and vice versa. But um, yes, yeah, so I just realized my client's actually doing that exact thing Today, she settles on both the property she just sold and the one that she's downsizing into um, today. And she's obviously avoided that bridging finance, which is a great solution. But it does mean, and I remember in the negotiations when I was, um, she'd actually, yeah, we were buying before she'd sold. Um, Within the same week, but still, I had to really make sure that that settlement lined up. We were very definite on the date it had to be. And I guess thinking on both sides of the fence, as a seller and a buyer, there are pros and cons for limitations on time. And you really need to be aware of that when you are negotiating a deal um, or presenting your offer at your property for sale, that the real estate agent understands that that date is actually really crucial. It's not a nice to have, it's actually really crucial if you want to avoid the bridging finance piece as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, look, I I think what rings out to me straight away is you 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 need to have a strategic broker to work you through something like this now um for for those listening that um are thinking about it number one if you haven't got an existing property you don't need to worry about bridging finance it's only for when you've got one property and you you're trying to buy a second basically selling and buying at the same time um if if the broker's not outlining to you that they're preparing for a low um Sale price, and as you mentioned, well, you've, instead of six hundred, it might be worth uh, sell for five fifty because we don't know what can happen to the market in the next few months or some variables around it with negotiations, etc. Um, if they haven't got the pre approvals in order, like that's a massive one. Um, if they've missed that step, but the the other thing that um, concerns me is the auction. When we're going to auction, and you commit to something, there's no turning back. If you are the if you were the highest bidder and the the gamble goes down, then you're done. Um, You've committed to that property. So you've Mm -hmm. then got to ensure that, uh, as you said, in that six-month period that you have um, that other property sold and it sells for what you want to uh, or or what you want it to be sold for, but you're not emotionally driven to just get that sale done and and in the meantime you've dropped 50K because you you need it uh, urgently.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, and and as you said, if you you – Pay a deposited option and you haven't got your finance sorted and something goes pear-shaped. And thankfully I've never had a client that's had the, but I have heard some horror stories over the years. You can you can effectively lose your deposit if you can't get finance sorted. So it's amazing how many people, uh, and Emily, you would have seen this get a bit excited and you know, drive past the how go as oh, an option and put up their hand. Always, you know, put the horse before the car, and the horse is the finance. And the card is actually buying the property, not the other way around because uh, then you you know you can confidently go at an option at a certain price and you've got all your finance already sorted.
2: Completely agree. Um, I think in a previous recording we did, I was harping on about, and I'm always harping on about pre-approvals, but it just is so crucial. You need to know what you have to spend before you go and spend it. Just like in what other circumstance would you like hope that you had enough money? Like you wouldn't go out to dinner and – hope that you had enough money to pay the bill, like you'd know that the money's there. So, um, yes, I'm always passionate about pre-approvals and if you're listening and you don't have one and you're looking at houses, please find a pre-approval very soon.
0: Mm, you can't pay a house, can you?
2: You can't.
0: No. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. Look, for me personally, I've, I've never done it. Um, would I do it? Look, maybe, but I, I think f- – Personally, there's too many variables involved um, and I'm, I like to think out, outside the square but I also like to have things in my control and, and for me, there's too many things out of my control um, in that situation. If I was doing it, uh, I would probably wouldn't go to auction. I'd buy a home uh, knowing what I could pay for it and knowing that I could potentially pull out of it if my existing home that I was trying to sell um, didn't, didn't go through to the level I expected.
3: Yeah, and there's individual circumstances too. I've got uh, some clients who are going to option this weekend. They came to me a little bit late. So I'd had them pre-approved six months ago. So what we do is we just do a new – we didn't have time to lodge a brand-new pre-approval. So what we do is we assess their situation, get some pay slips, do a credit check and go through all the ticks and balances – and if their circumstances haven't changed and we've got enough comfort, it's well within their means, then we can say, yes, you can go to auction. But we've actually done an assessment, but we haven't had time to do a pre-approval. So there are circumstances when we'll advise our clients, and there's a long, there's a lot of comfort between the purchase price and their borrowing capacity um, that we will actually say, yes, you can go ahead and go to auction. But we've known these clients, we've got a good relationship with them. We've known their history over a long period of time. So there are some circumstances where we will actually say, no, yes, you can go to auction or you can go unconditional, but we'll do our own checks and balances as well.
2: Definitely. I think that all comes down to having a very good relationship with the broker to ensure that they're on top of things, particularly pre-auction. You need to know that you're, particularly when you're bidding quite high, it's a large investment, you need to know that you've got the green light to go. Mm. Less stress.
0: Well, he... Um, for us amateurs that know not much about it, um, can I get a bridging loan for an investment property purchase?
3: Uh, yes, you can um, through some lenders. But, so, again, so they'll have a policy again where – so when I said 50% will do it for owner occupy, there'll be less that will do it for investment purposes again. So the the pool of banks and lenders starts to come down yeah. a little bit as well. Um uh, but, yeah, you can get some some bridging finance. I mean, it, it's generally – that's generally not something that's very, very common, though, because they're obviously – they're generally selling a property, um, but they might be selling an investment property and need that money um, for an owner-occupied, or they – like you said, they might be selling an owner-occupied and going into an investment, and but then they have to have an investment – then they'll be, have a rental expense because they have to have somewhere to live, so – but generally, there's less lenders available for when it starts to become investment purposes um, because there's a few more complications around that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I could never see anyone doing it, but I just thought it would be a question that uh, that may need to be answered at some stage. Any final pearls of wisdom to, to finish off on the bridging loan process?
3: There are a fair bit of work.
0: For you as a broker, you mean? <laughs>
3: a lot of work for a broker. But... No, we'll, I mean, we don't say we'll always, but all, I guess the number one thing, and you sort of mentioned this two Pidgeys and Emily, about pre-approval, just making sure, don't just assume um, that you're going to be fine and you can do this. Actually uh, look into the situation and make sure it's going to be the best for you and make sure it's not going to put pressure on you selling your property and having to take a bit of a hit on something as well. So my, my first preference is to avoid it. Uh, and that's either by selling first and settling first simultaneous settlement which we mentioned before where you settle you settle on the same day on the, on the properties you, that you're buying and selling uh, but again uh, it can definitely work uh, don't make sure it's not for a long period of time and also make sure we always work off worst case scenarios so you don't get any shocks and surprises if that does eventuate
0: yeah. Yeah, no, good recommendations, and I I, th- I just have the feeling that um, look if uh, if you miss out on a particular home at auction because uh, you you've still selling the other property that you've uh, owned, then there's another good opportunity next week, the week after, the week after that. Um, and, and I I don't want to get emotionally drawn into um, purchasing this particular property if it's going to put my whole finance structure in in jeopardy. What what are your thoughts, Emily?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's always more opportunities. And yes, it's particularly when it's a family home, your own home to live in, you can get emotionally drawn into. But also, you've got to balance that with the stress of potentially, you know, having that bridging finance and can you meet the requirements and can you meet the timeframes. So, know that there will be more opportunities. Um, There are always more houses available. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And if it is, it is.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Good, good finishing words, but yeah, we don't obviously want to hold you back from uh, getting bridging finance if that's what you want to do. Uh, today was about trying to understand the the pros and cons of doing it. For for some of us, we didn't know what it was to begin with. Now we do, uh, and then understanding why we would use it, why we wouldn't, and then you can make an informed decision yourself. So, um, yeah. Well, really appreciate you coming on and uh, clearing your diary for us today. I know you are a busy man.
3: No, I'm not that busy, Pidge. You know that. <laughs> no, it's been great to uh, great to be involved again. Love supporting the show. Love listening to it, and uh, the feedback's just been unbelievable. Um, particularly since Glenn's left and Emily's come on board. <laughs> great, Joe, oh, I Glenn, hope
2: Glenn's uh, not uh, listening. And, uh,
3: the, the feedback's been. Uh, incredibly positive
0: yeah look thanks as always and uh, jump onto our facebook group get involved in there leave us a review if you think it worth it or not worth it um, but uh, always as a pleasure good to chat with uh, welly and thanks emily and we will talk soon
2: most definitely we'll talk to you soon
0: all right bye
1: We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property education and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvayre Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it.